Tabby the Keg Daily is live for Friday. It is October 20th. We're talking Wisconsin betting preview. We're going to break down the Green Bay Packers and the Denver Broncos. We're also going to talk about the Wisconsin Badgers and the Illinois Fighting Illini for the first time, I think in a month. We have both teams playing on the weekend, so that's great. Uh, Then we are going to get into the Terry Stott story uh, about Terry Stott stepping down from the Milwaukee Bucks. We're going to explain why it's not a big deal. Uh, Rapid Fire Friday. I don't know if we have anything. Uh, This Stott story is a little bit bigger, so it kind of trumps it. And this is the problem with segments sometimes. You you don't time for the Rapid Fire stuff. It makes it a longer show. I don't know. I'll I'll fit something in at the end. Don't you worry. I I always am bringing the noise. That's, That's... always what I'm here to do. Before we get going, social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. We have not been posting as much as I would like um, on TikTok and Instagram. I think there is a litany of reasons why. I hope to get my ass in gear on that. Uh, Please, please hold me to that. Uh, And then if you are already doing the social media thing, Make sure you subscribe uh, to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. Rate and review. If you've already rated and reviewed, you can always send it to the group chat. Send it to a friend. Halloween parties are coming up. Many people are getting ready for Halloween parties this weekend. If you are, talk about the podcast. Talk about this. Be like, look, all the local guys, they talk, but there's commercials. These aren't commercials. You get 45 to an hour all the time, four days a week. Uh, sometimes five, and that's that's the beauty of it. And we got the Bucks starting next week. That'll be exciting. We have Marquette in a couple of weeks here. The Packers really in full gear now with the bye week over, Badgers going on. It's a great fucking time to be part of Tapping the Keg Sports and the Tapping the Keg Sports family. All right, let's dive in to the betting preview for the Green Bay Packers and the Denver Broncos. The Green Bay Packers are off a bye. Uh, the Green Bay Packers last time were in Las Vegas. They stay on the mountain time zone. I, I always forget if uh, Vegas is mountain or Pacific. Don't hold me to it. But they are going to be in Denver, Colorado for a matchup with the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos have been one of the worst teams in the NFL. Most of Denver's lack of success has been because they cannot play defense to save their soul. They are the worst defense in all of football. It's been an absolute calamity to watch Denver play defense. Also, it seems like multiple players are on their way out. Jerry Judy, you know, continued to not take any accountability uh, for his poor play uh, during a press conference yesterday. Uh, it does not seem like things are well there. Uh, the Russell Wilson, Sean Payton relationship leaves much to be desired. So Denver is a shit show. The Packers are catching Denver probably at the best time to play the Broncos. I mean, you could argue that maybe after the trade deadline would be better. But since the trade deadline is coming up, there's still some uncertainty with everybody. And there's a game before the trade deadline. So I feel like next week, I don't know if Denver has a buy, so don't quote me on this. But I feel like next week, you'll see more of Denver trying to show out and build their case for why all these guys want to get traded. I think that Denver is kind of on quit watch, right? I don't think they want to be here. I think this is a massive opportunity for the Green Bay Packers, and they have to take advantage. This will be Jordan Love's fourth road game already in his young career, which I think is kind of crazy, right? He's played six games already. This is his sixth game started uh, this season, and four of them 
have been on the road. Uh, Mile High used to be a very tough place to play. The the sort of allure of Mile High is no longer there. The altitude issues, you don't have to worry about it as much as the season goes on. Uh, it's Denver Stadium is kind of like New Orleans, uh, which we just saw Saints lose to the Jaguars last night. It's a similar feel, right? We used to be scared about going to Mile High. Mile High was Charles Davis. It was John Elway. It was Ed McCaffrey, Rod Smith, Steve Atwater. Uh, who's a big guy in the middle? He wore the like the nasal strip. Oh fuck, that's gonna bother me. I, I it's is it Nate? It's not Nate Smith. It's something like that. Oh, this is gonna Neil. Is it? It's Neil Smith. It's fucking Neil Smith. You're goddamn right. It's Neil Smith. But anyways, the Broncos were feared. They aren't feared anymore. Uh, they are at least feared team in the NFL, maybe. But that said, the Packers can't go in and just assume they're going to win this football game. Because for all accounts, Packers might not be a good football team. I don't know if we fully understand that or we fully know that. Uh, I think some of us who were higher on the Packers to start the season do not necessarily want to come to grips if the Packers aren't actually good. And for those who were dubious of the Packers, you're probably sitting back having a cigar, having a beer, and saying, I fucking told you so. This is exactly what I feared with the Green Bay Packers, and all my fears are coming true. So this is a huge line in the sand game for the Green Bay Packers, and I, I just don't know if that's the same for the Denver Broncos. Could If the Denver Broncos win this game, could they essentially keep themselves above water in the AFC? Possibly, but remember, I think... It's like something like 12 or 13 of the AFC teams are 500 or better right now. It's really hard to talk yourself into a Lions-like run in the AFC. You know, Lions last year were 1-6, and six, and then they got hot. Uh, and coincidentally enough, that started against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, but, like, I don't know if that exists in the AFC. So that brings us to more of that, like, quit, and they're like, all right, ready for next season. When does the fake Russell Wilson injury happen? And it's Jared Stidham time and Wilson is sidelined for the rest of the year. I don't think Russell Wilson will get traded. That contract is way too big for somebody to say, all right, yeah, we can win with that. I, it's crazy. But if you're Atlanta, would you at least have a conversation about Russell Wilson? Think about Atlanta's. Think about Atlanta's setup, right? They have Bijan Robinson, they have Tyler Algier, they have a couple talented wide they have a talented wide receiver in Drake London. They have Kyle Pitts, right? And their defense is it's okay. I don't know what their cap sheet looks like. I, I think I would assume they have cap room, right? Because it doesn't Ritter and because they have a lot of young guys. And I just heard Brian Baldinger on part of my take on Wednesday say that if they had Tom Brady, they could win the Super Bowl. Now, do I think they could win the Super Bowl, with Russell Wilson? No. Do I think that that team kind of emulates what he had in Seattle? Yeah, I do. Um, I think Arthur Smith would curate an offense that would work with Russell Wilson. Now, him going to Atlanta, given that future is from Atlanta, would be very fucking funny. Um, and the jokes would write themselves. But And, and I also think just the, the cream cheese nature of Russell Wilson, him in Atlanta Fal Falcons jersey would look very out of place. But if, if there was a deal to be done for Russell Wilson, which again, I, I, I think it's extremely unrealistic. Although if it happens, I'm going to clip this bitch and I'm going to say, look, I told you so. <laughs> it would be the Falcons. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I think from an intangible set standpoint, before we kind of dig, dig into the numbers, I think the Packers have it. I also think the Packers are about as healthy as they've been in a long time. This is kind of a no excuse line in the sand game. If you're, at, if you're okay 
if you're a little bit better than okay, let's just say above average, you win this fucking football game. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And they have Christian Watson back, who they have had back a couple weeks now. They have Aaron Jones, says he's the healthiest he's been since week one. You have Elton Jenkins, you know, another week healthy. Uh, Quay Walker looks like he's going to play. Devondre Campbell might be the only one that's not playing. I would say if Devondre Campbell isn't ready to go, then IR him. Like, there's no reason to have Devondre Campbell, you know, out there. I, I also, I don't know what the IR rules there, retroactive, like the DL in baseball. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's all setting up for the Packers. So we'll we'll have to see. Also, Chase, don't be surprised if Andrews Carlson busts out that boot. I mean, with the altitude, Packers could have an advantage there and trying to kick 60, 65, not nah, 65 is really aggressive, but you know, anywhere from 55 to 60 yard field goals, I think are on the table for Mr. Carlson. All right, let's dive in to the spreads. Now that we got the intangibles out of the way and get into this thing. The Packers are currently favored by one. The over under is 45. If the Packers stay favorites, this will be the first time they are favored all year. Evan Abrams writes a great betting primer for Action Network. Uh, And so a lot of this is coming from him, which I I appreciate. You guys should go check that out. It is a must read for me every, you know, prep day that I'm doing for the NFL. This, the pack, so yeah, this is the first, so if the Packers aren't favorites, that would mean that they're underdogs for their first six games. That has not happened since 1980 when they were underdogs for seven straight games, which is wild. Matt LaFleur off a bye is 4-3. He's 0-2 on the road. They got beat 75-18 in those two road games combined. Now, huge fucking qualifier with that. One was against San Francisco in 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl. And the other one was against 2020 Tampa Bay, who also went to the Super Bowl. So I am taking that for a grain of salt. I think that the four and three bye is just fine. That is not an Andy Reid. He's also not a complete calamity out to buy. Four and three is just fine. There are some trends though that favor the Broncos. Uh, the teams who have not covered for the entire year and the Broncos have not are 56% to, to win their next game uh, at this point of the season. Russell Wilson, Sean Payton are both great quarterback head coach in terms of two game losing streaks. They rarely allow three-game losing streaks. That has not happened in their career. We already spoke about the bad defense with Denver. It's on pace to be one of the worst ever in the NFL. Russell Wilson, if you forgot, has been terrible against the Green Bay Packers. He's 1-5 for his last six against the Packers. Now, granted, that all came with Seattle, but it's been ugly for Russell Wilson against the Packers. They have had his number. Now, the Packers have not faced Russell on the road. A lot of it's been in Lambeau. He's really struggled at Lambeau. I think that only win was that Thursday night game in Seattle uh, that the Seahawks won. Uh, so this will be another road test for Packers against Russell Wilson. But it it is certainly not the Russell Wilson that had carved out the Packers in yesteryear. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. So what are we doing with this spread? It is at one. There is not a ton of that you can do with this, right? You can't really tease it because Packers are favored. You don't want to go through the tease and it be a plus five for you. That's That makes no sense. I think you take it. I think you lay the one or you lay the money line if you're worried about the game landing on one because of some craziness. Uh, I think that this is a great spot for Green Bay. I think we laid it out in the intangibles about it's a lion the sand game for Green Bay, and I don't know how much fight's left in Denver. So I think the Packers are catching them on the right time. 
I would not hammer down on this. This would not be a, you know, multiple unit play, like player unit on this. Do not go crazy with this game because still there is the unknown that the Packers might be bad. And if the Packers are bad, you know, that's that could lead to to destruction. The over 45, I, so here's the, th- here's the thing about the over. I like the over. I'm going to I'm gonna play the over. Um, I'm going to recommend the over. I'm still scared of the over. And the reason I'm scared of the over is not because of Denver's defense. It's just, are the Packers going to capitalize with touchdowns? Uh, and that's been a problem for everyone across the league. It's been uh, honestly a disaster, in my opinion, for the NFL because we hear all the time about people who are like, oh, I don't want to watch college football because, oh, it's just, it's too mishmash and it's so amateur hour. And it's like, well, I actually like watching touchdowns. I don't like watching field goals. So uh, maybe maybe it's there. Uh, but can the Packers finish with touchdowns? 45 is a nice number, right? Even if it's 24 to 21, you get a push. And not, not that you're wanting pushes, not that you're actively asking for pushes, but 27-24 also gets you home uh, anywhere like in the 30s and you're good. I don't expect this Packer team to score 30 points. I, I just, I, I won't. Uh, but I do think the Packers, you know, in terms of an over here is a good decision. They have not really been an over team, but I can see this game specifically being an over situation for the Green Bay Packers. So that that is kind of where I'm at. I'm laying the one. I'm laying the 45. Our record for the year, I, I believe I grabbed it. It was, let's see here. I had... Oh, I had the Wisconsin record. Hold on. So we we did not do well against um, the Raiders. So we're four and four on the year, zero and two on stay away decisions. I I did. Oh yeah, we did the same game tees and the same game tees hit. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, so we are five and three for the year, or five and four for the year. Um, stay away is 0-2. So we're going to stay on 5-3. and three. For those who remember, stay away is basically me telling you, hey, I'm not going to play this. Um, and if I was wrong on on what it was, where I was like, oh, I'm leaning towards the under, and it goes under, that's when I give myself a loss. Um, for example, the Badgers, got, I got a win there because I was like, I won't take that spread, and then they lost outright. So uh, yeah, that's where I'm going. Uh, they do not have the anytime touchdowns up, which is a bummer. They, they did in the past, maybe they're losing too much money on that. And so now anytime touchdowns are no longer available on Fridays when we tape, uh, I would say in terms of a rankings of guys I would look at, I don't, again, do not have the odds uh, per my book. Uh, Luke Musgrave, I would take for sure. Um, Luke Musgrave, had the tape has been there for Luke Musgrave. At some point, there's going to be the Luke Musgrave breakout game. It's just a matter of, are you going to be on the bandwagon and it happens? Uh, so I think Luke Musgrave would be a smart ad. I think A.J. Dillon, uh, you know, we haven't really been a big A.J. Dillon podcast, but with their run defense being as bad as it is, I think you could see A.J. Dillon getting a touchdown. You could also go Aaron Jones two touchdowns. I think that's like a, probably like a plus 330 or something like that. I wouldn't hate that as an idea of attacking that running attack. Um, you could, if you really want to get nuts, you could parlay Jones and Dylan together. Because that Jones number, I bet, would be it's probably minus 110, minus 140, something like that. Uh, Jordan Love, again, that running, the ability to run with Love, I think it's always a good bet. Like, I think just having Jordan Love, if you're only betting the Packer game, is not a bad idea. And Dontravian Wicks, he's had some really good underlying numbers. There's kind of a arrow pointing that Wicks might take over that number two spot for Romeo Dobbs. 
Will it happen this week? I don't know. Uh, but I would recommend Wicks uh, as an anytime guy. And you'll probably get him plus 500, plus 600. I, I don't think that's a bad investment at all. So that's where I'm at in terms of an anytime touchdown rankings. Uh, but yeah, Packers in the over. Take it, live it, love it. Um, I'm all about it. And man, am I going to be depressed if they lose this game? I really will be. Uh, there are games where you lose and you're like, okay, got to do this, whatever. It's what we expected. There are games where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. And then there are games like this where it's like, it's hellfire and brimstone. And it'll be my role to try to calm everyone down because uh, that's that's what I do on here. Um, I can't, I'm not, not Skip Bayless. I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to call people losers just out of the blue. Actually, I have done that, so I can't. I don't know if you saw Skip Bayless's tweet where he's like, James Harden, loser. I was like, well, that's, that's one way to say it. Uh, I saw, sorry, this is going way off, off the rails, but real quick. I was working out this morning, not a big deal, uh, and Undisputed was on, and I saw something about, Deion Saunders had a tweet about like, I am, it was like some motivational bullshit, you know what Deion does, and John Morant's like, oh, I feel this, or I relate to this, and he's like, can Jaws, t- or can Deion's tweet inspire John Morant to be better? I'm like, what in the fuck are we doing? Like, what are we actually doing here? Like, a tweet? A tweet inspires you? Like, look, I, people can find motivations in all, in all different ways. I'm trying not to yuck your yum. But, like, a tweet? I, I, look, I, I, I mean, there's a lot more deep, complex things going on. It's not like John Morant lost his job. He's not like me, where when Kobe died, like, that gave me motivation to kind of fire up my job search at that point when I was out of a job for four months. Like, that is something that's, yeah, you could say, oh, that's correlated. It's like, no, it's it's a way different thing than a guy toting around guns and his dad's apparently a bad influence on him, which is odd. You don't usually hear that, but it seems to be the case. So anyways, I had to talk about that. All right, let's move on to Wisconsin uh, and talk about Badgers, or as some people call it, Illinois or Illinois. Um, by the way, if you are one of those people, I hate your guts. I do. I'm sorry. I Just say Illinois. Like, that's it. It's Illinois. Or people go, Wisconsin, also eat your guts. So, yeah, Wisconsin, Illinois. Uh, the spread is the Badgers by two and a half. The over-under is 41. So, I will say that a lot of people are already backing Illinois. And when I mean a lot of people, I mean the Cover 3 podcast, my favorite college football podcast. If you need a podcast to listen to for college football that's really in-depth and knows their shit. The cover three is great. Their lock spot is awesome. It sets the table. Um, would recommend it. I love their reaction shows. I think it just makes you smarter as a college football fan. They're all in Illinois. They all like Illinois money line. And that, it's just, it's to be expected, right? I think there are gonna be a lot of people that put Illinois in their money line parlors. I get it. I, I totally understand that because you have a rookie quarterback that's coming into a tough environment in Champaign. It's homecoming at Illinois. The crowd will be rowdy. Apparently, Wisconsin's hated. I didn't realize that. Uh, I was looking at the Champagne Room, which is their SB Nation blog, kind of doing some research on stuff. And uh, they're like the hated Wisconsin Badgers. I'm like, is that just like a Packers-Bears thing? Or like, what is that? Like, I never really considered the Illinois-Wisconsin rivalry to be a thing. Yeah, they played a bunch of games against each other, but I don't really remember the vaunted Illinois-Wisconsin game. I mean, 
I've remembered Wisconsin losing to Illinois and tripping on their dick, which they did, what was that, three years ago, four years ago, when they lost right before Ohio State. It was supposed to be this massive game between Illinois and Ohio State, like two, or Wisconsin, Ohio State, excuse me, two top 10 teams, and then Wisconsin just tripped right on their dick. Uh, I remember that. Like, I, I remember dumb losses to Illinois, but I don't necessarily know if it's like a hated rivalry, uh, I guess, according to Illinois. Uh, maybe that's an inferior complex thing or something else or basketball related. Like, I can see it for basketball. Basketball for sure. Uh, definitely like a, a big rivalry. Uh, but anyways, uh, so there's that. Uh, so yeah, Brayden Locke, he's coming in here. He has had a week to prepare. This is kind of his moment, I would imagine, that Wisconsin is very conservative with Braden Locke early on. I doubt that they are going to let him just let it snap and throw it all over a football field. Maybe he will. Maybe maybe they will. But I highly doubt that. I think the Badgers are going to play a very slow approach and try to make something happen. I think that they are going to trust their defense, given the fact that Illinois offensively is not very good. Uh, that they can they can make something something work there. And I think they're going to need to. I think they're going to need to sort of ease this in. I don't think you can rush a young quarterback on the road. You maybe could take that chance at home, but on the road, it needs to kind of be this slow build. And then in the second quarter, you can kind of attack and kind of look at what plays are available, what's open, and what's he seen out there. Um, I'd be real dubious of just doing the same thing that you saw with Tanner Mordecai. I, I would not recommend that in the slightest. So yeah, I, I think there is a lot of pressure on Braden Locke. I will say this Illinois defense is not what it was last year. Um, Ryan Walter is no longer defensive coordinator. Aaron Henry, former Badger, actually defensive coordinator now. So shout out to him. Uh, but this is not the Illinois team of the past. They are worse against the worst against the past. Their EPA, uh, which is expected points average. Uh, per pass is at 80, uh, which the Badgers are 86, so they're right there. The Badgers are obviously running the football well. Illinois is just average in terms of running the football. So the Badgers do have that advantage. Um, the Illinois defense has been terrible on third and fourth downs this year, uh, which is really interesting. Um, they've also found themselves in bad field position all season. So the Badgers defense can stand up. It seems like Illinois has found themselves into trouble more times than not. So those are kind of the key areas that I could see the Wisconsin, you know, having success. I think they are going to load the box early with Braylon Allen, but I, I still I still think there are ways around that. I think that's stretch plays, that's toss plays, even like a small option. I know Locke's not the most athletic quarterback, but I, I really do think that those are all there. I will also offer for those who are like, okay, this guy... He, whatever, did not look great against Iowa. I, I disagree. I felt like he, he looked fine. What if Braden Locke is actually the right air raid quarterback for Phil Longo's system? They, you know, they, I read Jesse Temple's sort of like disappointment, like a midseason report. He talked about the offense and, you know, kind of it sounds, for, and I'm paraphrasing what Jesse said, uh, like trying to fit a square into a circle hole, right? I think, I, I just wonder, like, is, was Mordecai part of that problem? And what if Braden Locke is the answer? And he unlocks, no pun intended, well, yeah, pun intended, he unlocks everything. And it's just, it's this huge sort of come explosion of error. And maybe it is. And I, I don't, 
I don't know that, but I, I'm just, I'm leaving it out there. I'm leaving that. It's like Santa and cookies, right? I'm just leaving that cookie out there for everybody to just think about as you're heading into Saturday. And as for Illinois, like they had one good game. They beat Maryland and Maryland's going to Maryland at some point. Maryland was close with Ohio State. Then they got blown out in the fourth quarter, didn't cover. So sorry if you backed Maryland in that. And then they were sleepy against an Illinois team that has been dog shit all year. Now, the Illinois fan base is like, oh, they turned a corner, they turned a corner. Look, I think I would have more credence to that if you beat a good team. Like Oklahoma State, great example of a team who's turned a corner a little bit this year. They beat Kansas State at home. Then they beat Kansas at home. Now they play West Virginia. I give them a good shot against West Virginia. A, because West Virginia is still licking their wounds from a Hail Mary, colossal disaster fuck up two weeks ago. And the fact that they've beat two good teams at home. Illinois beat Maryland. Maryland is a decent team. They're a, they're like a JAG team, right? You know, if you ever heard the term JAG, just a guy, like that's Maryland in a nutshell. Uh, there are a few JAG teams in the Big Ten and that's what Maryland is. So I, I can't really just be on board with this idea that, oh yeah, Illinois has completely changed. Like they gave up 44 fucking points to Purdue. A Purdue team that Wisconsin absolutely dismantled. And they did it through the ground, they did it through the air, they did it through Mordecai's legs. How are we supposed to take this Illinois team seriously besides, oh, they're on the road and it's a young quarterback? I, I just, I can't exactly buy into that. Like, I, I can't. And it, yes, they're good up front, right? Uh, Johnny Newton is going to be probably a first-round pick. Keith Randolph, who didn't play last week, he might not play this week. Reggie Love, the third, their running back, has been out for a couple weeks. Uh, Kenneth Fagan, who's their, now their new running back, looked really good last week. But again, Maryland's defense is a little different than what you have in Wisconsin, even if the Badgers defense has not necessarily been the same vaunted Badgers defense of the past. I am laying the points with the Badgers at two and a half. I think this is an overreaction. I think this is, hey, Illinois won one game. Let's get all excited about them. Uh, I, I just, I think it's more an indication on the talent the Badgers have. Luke Altmeyer, the quarterback at Illinois, has turnover in him, right? Uh, the Badgers have been opportunistic. You had the Hallman at pick six. Uh, they, ever since that Georgia Southern game, they've been forcing turnovers. I could see them getting a couple short fields for Braden Locke. I just think this is an overreaction. I think that this should be four or five and you're getting a couple extra points here, I'd still buy it. I, I don't like the two and a half. That always scares you, right? But I, I think Wisconsin can get it done. And I I think they can win this football game. I'm also going to take the under. I, I don't exactly see a lot of points here. Uh, this is going to be a bit of a fight. And I expect there to be, you know, limited points. And I, I think Wisconsin will do just enough. Like 16-10 sounds right to me in this game and Wisconsin sort of gets themselves ready for Ohio State. I will say, speaking of that, because Ohio State's next week, we'll obviously talk a lot about that uh, next Friday. This game, or the injury to Mordecai, the hand injury, keeps their focus on the task at hand. You hate to use injuries like that, but think if you think about it, like they're not thinking about Ohio State. Right, this is a new quarterback. They're you know they're not necessarily looking ahead. This is no there's no look ahead spot here. So yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the Badgers. I'm taking the under, and I'm sticking to it. So I, I just 
I also, the last, last thing before we, we talk about Terry Stotts and Adrian Griffin, there are still Wisconsin players that remember last season. And they got beat 34-10 at their own house. I, trust me. There are guys that want to give it back, including Braylon Allen. So don't discount the revenge factor here for Wisconsin as well. And even though there's a lot of new guys, there's still some older guys that will want to put points in their face. Wrapping up today's show with the Terry Stotts, Adrian Griffin drama, quote unquote. So Terry Stotts resigned as head coach uh, early Thursday morning. Uh, Terry Stotts no longer part of the Milwaukee Bucks. A lot of people, including myself, Mitch, thought that Terry Stotts would be the offensive mastermind to compliment Adrian Griffin. It seemed like there was a good relationship there. Seems like things were, you know, trending in the right direction. But apparently, according to Sean Serrania and Trey Crosby, uh, who's a Bucks Twitter member, yeah, I think his radio show, uh, the weekends on the game. Uh, I'm sorry to Trey that I don't know the name of it. Said basically there was a lot of friction between the two guys, and that you know Griffin and. Stotts did not exactly see eye to eye. Shams told a story about how Stotts wanted to talk to the players. Uh, Griffin wanted to have a coach's meeting. And Griffin basically put his foot down on it and yelled at Stotts. And Stotts didn't like that. I think that this is a much to do about nothing. I don't think that there is any reason to lose your mind about the working relationship between Stotts and Griffin. I think that's Terry Stotts said, you know, wanted to kind of be this different guy and didn't exactly take Adrian Griffin seriously because Adrian Griffin was a first-year coach. It was not like a mentee and mentor situation. Uh, I think one of the good examples of this, the alternate to what Terry Stotts and Adrian Griffin was, it's a college example, but Phil Martelli and Juwan Howard, right? Phil Martelli knew like, hey, I'm not a power five coach. Like I know I'm not a power five coach, but I'm going to help Juwan Howard and I can kind of work with Juwan Howard. And I I actually don't know the Martelli-Howard relationship. Doesn't matter. But that was, I think, the hope with Terry Stotts was like Terry Stotts would be that guy to sort of give him guidance. We saw Joe Mazzula, I always butcher his name, have so much trouble last year because he didn't necessarily have a staff around him to help out. It was a bunch of young guys who didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And that was part of the problem with Boston's coaching last year. Now you add for Boston, Sam Cassell, you add Charles Lee, you add, there was another guy they added. Uh, well, Van Gundy's on like, he's like a senior advisor now. Like I think they're giving Missoula a lot of things to succeed. I do worry about that with Griffin. But to go into more of the macro before we go into micro, this isn't a big deal. Terry Stotts wanted to be the big swing dick in the cracker factory and Adrian Griffin told no. He said, look, you are not gonna yield this piece around me. I am the coach. Like I am the head coach. You report into me. You are my offensive guy. When I say, what I say goes, you do not define me. And Terry Stotts didn't like that. And Terry Stotts has not been an assistant for years. He had been, you know, the Blazers head coach for, I think it was nine years. Uh, and a little bit before that with the Hawks. Like, Terry Stotts had been a head coach for so fucking long that I don't think he understood how to be an assistant anymore. And look, that happens, right? Like, sometimes you just can't go back to being an assistant. 
And Terry Stotts realized that in the moment. And he pulled the ripcord before the season even started. Now, would I have liked Terry Stotts to realize that before he took the job? Absolutely, I would have. I think that would have been a smart idea. But for Terry Stotts, he thought, okay, yeah, I'm going to be able to do my thing. We're kind of going to be co-coaches here. And Adrian Griffin's like, no, I run this ship. And I I don't think it's a bad thing. I really don't. I, I think if you want to establish yourself as the guy, like this is stuff you do. That said, you have to sort of puff your chest out. You have to tell people who's what as the new person. You can't get walked over. Adrian Griffin in that moment did not want to get walked over. Terry Stott said, fuck this, I am out. I don't agree with that approach from Terry Stotts. In fact, I think it's immature. I think it's immature Terry Stotts to, to go this direction. So for the fan freakout, it's not really necessary. Basically, you read the article and you say, well, this guy defied his, defied his boss. And then he decided to retire. And it was like, I'm out. Now, there could be other complications. There could be other reasons that we don't know yet. But if you are spinning this to the Bucks are in chaos to start the year, it's it's chaotic because they don't have an offensive system. But it's not necessarily chaotic in the sense that the team's not united. If you look at the quotes from Chris Middleton, you look at the quotes from Damian Lillard, it, it doesn't seem like they are that broken up over it. They don't seem like they're crestfallen. That was not a adjective that Eric Name used. So... To act like this is going to be a complete disaster for the Bucs is fucking stupid, okay? It just is. It is a guy who thought he could do a lesser role and realize that he is just a head coach. And that's it. And look, Terry can go cash a check in Bulgaria. He can go cash a check in Shanghai. Like, he can go there, right? And he can be a coach for all he fucking wants. But if he wants to be an assistant again... He's going to have to work with a guy that kind of gets his flow. And it's apparent that him and Griffin did not vibe together. That happens. I'm not single, but I would assume those that are. How many bad dates do you go on? How many things do do you say? Or or a better example, how many dates do you go on where the first one's great, right? Like everything works out. You're vibing with her. You like it. Maybe you get a smooch, maybe you do some more, maybe you beat some cheeks, whatever it may be, okay? Then the second day rolls around. Yeah, it's good, but it's not as good. And you're like, ah, man, you know, maybe it was off night. And then that third one rolls around, and you're like, fuck, I hate this person. Like, what the fuck? Like, what am I doing? Like, what? And then you just, you're out. And then you're like, yo, I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. Why can't you do that with coaching? I realize that it's not normal and it's different and it puts things at a a little bit of a timeline bump back. Like, I I don't know if the Bucs are going to be ready for the Celtics game. I think it's going to take a little while longer. I'm I'm a bit concerned about that. But I, I do look at this and say, all right, this was something they cleared the air on it. Stotts got out before the season started and that's that. And this is not looming over our head. We're not seeing Stotts and Griffin bark at each other on the sidelines against Detroit on a meaningless Tuesday night and wonder what's wrong with coaching staff. Now, I will caveat here. As even though I am not worried about this, I will say I got a tinge of Wojo from, 
from Adrian Griffin. You don't want to tinge a Wojo. You do not want to have a Wojo whiff. Let's call it that. Like that does worry me. One of the things that Steve Wojciechowski did that I fucking detested was that he got a bunch of yes men in front of him. That he his coaches were just guys that agreed with him. And it was miserable. Because no one had the balls to tell Wojo, hey, you're doing this wrong. The way you're subbing, the way you're rotating guys in, it doesn't make sense. He didn't have any of those guys. All of those guys that worked on Wojo's staffs were fucking lapdogs. I hope that Adrian Griffin isn't hiring a bunch of lapdogs. Because if he is, that is a bad sign for the Milwaukee Bucks. And Adrian Griffin has put his dick on the table. And now it's time for Adrian Griffin to go. In, a, in the sense of, now it's time to be the coach. If you want to be the head coach. You puffed your chest out. Now you got to do it. Now you got to be the man. And that's what we'll see. We'll see if he can deliver. And that I'm very curious on that. But... It's going to be a interesting ride. This is a Bucks season, really unlike any other. Uh, I said that a couple times this week, and I, I continue. You're also, by the way, going to have all the Bucks starters in uh, tonight. Uh, so I was like, here I am, like Friday night. I was like, okay, I'll watch. I'd watch baseball, or maybe I get something done around the house, or I watch a movie. Right? Netflix has like three movies out that I have interest in. Uh, for those that care, uh, was it fair game that like hedge fund movie where the chick steals the job and the guy becomes like a serial killer? Um, into that one, um, I, I love the show Industry, that's a great HBO show. Uh, Wind River, uh, looks great, T- Taylor Sheridan directed. Uh, and what was the other one? The Firm, uh, Tom Cruise. And a lot of this is one. My girlfriend, or my girlfriend, my wife, well, uh, ruled out that uh, the first movie, she was like, no, I can't do it. And I don't know if it was like too scary or just whatever. And she said it reminded her of her job. So I was like, okay, whatever, we're out. And then Wind River is a Western. She doesn't really like Westerns besides Yellowstone. And then The Firm, she does like Tom Cruise movies. And that's, I mean, it's such a bad fucking take because there's so many good Tom Cruise movies. And I, I just, I don't know. Um, so that's why I... Had all those. I also just finished Dave. I love Dave. Uh, probably one of my favorite TV shows I've watched recently. Um, I don't have a lot of friends that like Dave, which is weird. Because I feel like it's our humor. Like, it's like, and maybe it's just I'm immature. And like, Dick jo- like it, there are times where it's a little weird, I will admit. Uh, but I like to think of myself as a bit of an artistic motherfucker. So, yeah. And uh, I will say Killers of Flower Moon came out, uh, comes out tomorrow or today. I don't know if I can sit myself through three and a half hours by myself. But I also don't know if my, my wife will watch three and a half hours of a movie with me. So, yeah, it's a rock and a hard place. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. that. So that is, that's rapid fire. Um, trying to think, is there any bets I like this week? Just give you that at the end. Uh, uh, I like Penn State plus four against Ohio State. I will tell you that right now. Uh, I, I don't know how good Ohio State is. I think that's a field goal game. Um, I also... What else do I like? Uh, I like Miami. I think I like Philly to cover against Miami. Philly, the record against teams that Philly has faced this year is 5-24. and Do you know that? Like, are we sure Philly's good? On the road, Philadelphia. Fired up fan base. I kind of like Alabama, uh, minus 8. Uh, someone tell me how a tease. I'll give you this tease right now. This is your tab in the keg tease of the week. Which might be called, oh, Iowa-Minnesota is down to 30. As an over-under, 30 and a half. You have to take the over. 
At this point, you got to take the over. Like 30 points? That's like, that's so low. Uh, okay, Tabby the Keg tease, and then we'll wrap up. I, I'm just creating segments out of my ass and, you know, cashing things my ass can't catch. Tell me how a, who fucks up a six-point tease of Alabama down to two, uh, Missouri down to one and a half, and who's the third one? Ooh, I, Kansas State, you could throw in there. Um, don't hate that. But I am going to add USC. So USC down to one. How does ATs, who fucks you in USC, Missouri, Alabama? Maybe Alabama? I don't know. I don't, I don't think any of them do. That's Chapman the Keg Tease. I'm out of here. Take care. We'll be back on Monday. Big week. We have Packer Recap. We'll do some more getting ready for the Bucks season. And that we have the uh, home opener and the season opener on Thursday. Bucks basketball is back. I'm getting the hiccups here, so that's more reason to sign up. No word yet on if you will get the Tapping the Keg boys after the Bucks Sixers game, but we will update the people. Take care, everybody. Have yourself a great weekend, and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you around. We'll see you next week. See you for recapping Baggers Broncos. Take care. Have a good one. Stay safe. Bye.